Welcome to the Young Buck and Old Goat Podcast. I'm the Old Goat Daniel, and joining me today is... The Young Buck Kazi. Thank you for joining us as we highlight and discuss some of the most important developments in the world of digital assets and cryptocurrencies. And take a look back at the major price movements from the past week and discuss potential plays for the upcoming week. And as always, this production is presented for educational and entertainment purposes only. And nothing said here should ever be taken as financial advice, and we recommend you always do your own research. And please like and subscribe and rate us five stars. It really helps us reach more people, and we'd be eternally grateful. Welcome to all of our listeners on Spotify and iTunes to episode number one. We're going to take a look back at the week ending 20th of February, highlight some of the plays we've discussed in our Discord and highlight some of the fundamental catalyst events that we should keep an eye on. Old Goal, what news do you have for us uh, from this past week? Kazi, as always, there was plenty to discuss from this past week. The biggest story that has pretty much dominated the headlines all week has been Ukraine and Russia. And now we don't want to come across as making light of this situation. We understand it's extremely important, but specifically we're focusing on how that is affecting the cryptocurrency markets. Um, And we've seen it play out in a couple different ways. Uh, First, when it looked as though attack was imminent, when the president was announcing that it could be the president of the United States uh, was announcing that there could be an attack at any moment. We saw um, the DXY, the dollar index, uh, spike up very, very quickly. Every time we see that spike, we always end up getting an, uh, a serious drawback in risk on assets, right? So it, it affected NASDAQ, it affected SPY, it affected basically all the equities markets. Um, the reason for that might be lost on some people. And so I just want to quickly touch on that. The importance of Ukraine to Europe is that it's a, a major throughput for oil and gas coming from Russia, right? So all those pipelines go into Ukraine um, and from Belarus as well. They go into Ukraine and then out to the rest of Europe. Yep. <clears throat> now, any conflict in that area is going to, of course, reduce the amount of oil and gas that that Europe has access to, uh, causing a price in oil and gas prices, right? Now, why does that affect DXY? Well, United States, uh, the United States dollar is what's referred to as the petrodollar, you may have heard it called. Um, And that's because the vast majority of the world's oil and gas reserves are traded for in dollars. And so that's what, you know, as the United States is no longer on a gold standard or, or it doesn't have the fiat money is not backed by anything. It's really only backed by the demand that the oil and gas markets create for uh, corporations and countries that have to purchase oil and gas. Um, and so as you know, as there's conflict in oil rich com- in oil rich countries, 
that's going to have a direct impact on us uh, in the cryptocurrency market. Um, and, and I think that kind of gets lost on some people as to why crypto takes a plunge in certain uh, international uh, incidents and, and doesn't dive in others. And this really all revolves around that, the, the, the strength of the DXY index. And if you're, if you are actively trading or investing, it, it, it's really one of those charts that you want to keep up um, and understand that relationship uh, between the, the broader, the broader crypto markets and the DXY. Um, but speaking of Russia, we had some other uh, news coming out of there, which, which really was very interesting um, for the crypto space. You, you saw the Russian central bank openly discussing that uh, Bitcoin mining, uh, cryptocurrency transaction, cryptocurrency holdings should all be banned. Yeah. Then within, you know, six to 12 hours, whatever it was, you see the Russian finance minister coming out talking about how they want to encourage more in, uh, and make a more favorable climate to uh, crypto mining um, and, 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 and adopting cryptocurrencies as a, as a form of tender. So there's obviously um, there's obviously some internal, I'd say discussions, but it's more like internal political conflict, uh, you know, involving cryptocurrency. And I think we all had a feeling that this was going to happen. And, and, and for those of us that have been in the space for a while, it's kind of exciting to see these lines being drawn uh, in the crypto markets. We've you know, we've always um, approached this with a, you know, crypto, you know, we like crypto because it's against the Fed or it's a, it's 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 antithetical to central banks. Um, and I think for a long time, the central banks didn't care what we were doing. We, we didn't matter. Um, I think those days are behind us. I think if you were to. Uh, you know, poll the the central bank governors of all the different of all the different countries. Um, they would have uh, the rise and use of cryptocurrencies is probably one of their main concerns right now. Um, and that is uh, that's that's going to be a, a decision time for for the world, right? For for everyone as a society, do we continue to use this or do we uh, continue to use? Uh, central bank derived fiat currencies and and I mean certainly our you know position here on the podcast is uh, is is the further development use and adoption of uh, cryptocurrencies Definitely. so that's that's kind of interesting and that's uh, something we've seen in other countries as well um, we saw that uh, in America uh, just this week we've seen the White House coming out with uh, there, the White House produced a special report just on the dangers of stable coins. Um, the Senate uh, Financial Services Committee and also in the House have had um, have been doing uh, committee hearings this past week on stable coins and the dangers, or uh, I would say the dangers or benefits, but it's really they're ma mainly focusing on the dangers of cryptocurrency um, and wanting to try to control this market that they when you listen to these meetings they have very little understanding as to what's happening and you know 
one of the biggest concerns I have is who's going to regulate DeFi. And, and when you hear them discuss decentralized finance, it, you know, it really does make you want to shake your head that, that they don't have that kind of understanding that <laughs> this is a contract that's just that's running on multiple computers all over the world. You don't you don't always have a central point that you get to go in and regulate. Um, one uh, one big example of that, um, and this was another kind of big flashpoint in the news, was the uh, the Canadian um, on the, the Ontario's Superior Court of Justice, right? So, in response to the vaccine mandate trucker convoy protests that are going on. Um, the Canadian government has has really cracked down um, financially on them. They, they're certainly starting to crack down on them physically and actually doing arrests. But before that, they were trying to put pressure on them financially, going after uh, anyone they bank with, going after anyone that had donated to them. And what I thought was really interesting uh, was the 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 web wallet nunchuck nunchuck right and so nunchuck uh gets this <laughs> they get this letter from the ontario superior court of justice and it's i'll i'll, I'll briefly go over it uh it and that the entities listed in Schedule B, as well as any banks, financial institutions, money service businesses, blah, 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 cryptocurrency exchanges, plat or platforms, custod custodians of any cryptocurrency wallets, shall, upon being provided with the notice of this order, forthwith freeze and otherwise prevent any removal, dissipation, you know, basically saying, we're ordering you to lock these down. So they send this. Of course, uh, this this is an official letter. They send it to Nunchuck, right? Nunchuck comes up with one of the most beautiful responses that they then posted on Twitter, which God bless Nunchuck, because this, this was absolutely wonderful. Um, and if I could just read this really quick. Dear the Ontario Superior Court of Justice, Nunchuck is a self-custodial collaborative multi-sig Bitcoin wallet. We are a software provider not a custodial financial intermediary. Our software is free to use. It allows people to eliminate single points of failures and store Bitcoin in the safest way possible while preserving privacy. We don't collect any user identification information beyond email addresses, and we don't hold any keys. Therefore, we cannot freeze our users' assets. We cannot prevent them from being moved. We do not have knowledge of the existence, nature, value, or location of these users' assets. This is by design. Please look up how self-custody and private keys work. When the Canadian dollar becomes worthless, we will be here to serve you too. Sincerely, the Nunchuck team, which I just love. That is the perfect response to, to send to this kind of authoritarian crackdown of people trying to go in and tell you how you can and cannot spend your money. Um, and I think this... Uh, and we've talked about this before, Kazi. Yeah. You know, if you don't own your keys, you don't own your crypto. And and that is lost on a lot of people. Um, so if you're keeping those funds on an exchange, remember that exchange is a single point of failure. 
it takes a, a very little bit of political pressure on the exchange CEO. And I guarantee you, any, you know, anything that's held in any one of those accounts gets frozen. And we've seen that here yeah. in the United States uh, when you hear about a hack or something. And as soon as it gets put on Coinbase, Coinbase, you know, locks it down and, and, and reverses it at, at somebody's direction, right? Um, we had this happen last year with a very large amount. Um, and so that's, it's just, it, it's important to remember that although, you know, we're certainly not advocating for any illicit uh, activity around the world of crypto, um, you know, as soon as you take those assets that exist, you know, what we'll call outside of the system, putting those assets on an exchange is bringing them into the system. And in the system, your federal governments, your central banks, your, you know, the power players, that's, that's where their power resides is within that system. Um, so if you're in crypto to be outside of the system, you know, keeping all of your, your crypto on an exchange is not outside of the system. And, and that's something I think people really need to remember. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's also another, uh, <clears throat> it's a good case to be bullish on XMR, right? On Monero. Yeah. Um, Monero is the ultimate kind of privacy coin in, in, in that case. The, the problem is the off-ramp and on-ramp, of course, of, of Monero. Um, but if the if the truckers had set up uh, a Monero wallet, there would be the Canadian government would have absolutely no idea how much Monero was being donated or where it was coming from. So, so truckers, if you're out there listening, go with XMR. Um, and so those are those are probably the two biggest macro stories we've kind of been dealing with. But I did want to highlight. Our good friends down in El Salvador, uh, uh, Nayib Bukele, which I think I'm pronouncing that right, is once again kind of swimming against the grain, and he has been an absolute treat to watch. Um, I'm sure I'm not an expert on El Salvadorian po on politics, right? Um, I'm sure there's there's many many things to criticize him on, just as there are many things to criticize every leader on. Um, so, so I'm not necessarily trumping, trumpeting him being perfect in, in every regard, but I, I, you know, as an outsider, you have to look at somebody like him and see we're watching Western democracies continually just hemorrhage personal liberties, hemorrhage freedoms, uh, all these things that were the that, that we, we would pat ourselves on the back for be, being the champions of for the past hundred years. Um, you know, this, the past two years, we, we've watched those disappear. Now, right or wrong, um, I, you know, understand that we did have COVID-19. Um, and so I'm, I'm not necessarily making, trying to make a judgment on each country's response to that. But I think everyone can agree that there is less overall freedoms and liberties in the past two and a half years uh, than there was before then, right? I don't, I I don't think that's too controversial to admit. Yeah. Um, but 
yesterday, um, President Nayib Bukele uh, announces on Twitter, which, which you know, he, he is kind of the younger millennial style uh, world leader. So it, it makes sense for policy to come out on Twitter, I suppose. Um, and I quote, I'm sending 52 legal reforms to Congress to reduce red tape or remove red tape, reduce bureaucracy, create tax incentives, citizenship in exchange for investments, new security laws, stability contracts, etc. The plan is simple. As the world falls into tyranny, we'll create a haven for freedom. Now, that's awesome, right? Just, you know, if nothing else, even if only half of what he's proposing actually, you know, makes it into law. Uh, and I'm sure there's there's still, you know, once things do make it into law, there's still always other problems to deal with. But just the fact that it's a world leader talking about increasing freedoms and increasing liberty and and pushing back against tyranny. I mean, that, that's uh, it's it's very certainly encouraging to see. Um, and if you think about it, this is where what I think is lost on a lot of people. The stand he's taking now, El Salvador, El Salvador is not a huge country, and and that's probably the only reason he can take this stand. But you've got this little country that's standing up against the International Monetary Fund, mm. the World Economic Forum, the Bank of International Settlements, and every major central bank you can imagine, right? Like, like I mean, this is, you know, you want to talk about power, right? Like, these guys can start a war at a snap of a fingers if they want to these guys have power that we couldn't even imagine and you've got bukele just standing up on his little country with his flag and saying nope not here and i love that and i i you know hope and pray that um that the right people support him and that he is we'll say you know protected all the time because he is he is David and Goliathing this thing, right? He is spitting in the eyes of the bully. Um and, and I I have no doubt they're going to try to economically punish, right? I mean that's 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 what they do. They he is a he is the biggest threat right now to the prevailing international order of central bankers determining what mo- what money is actually worth um you know so let's we we definitely need to uh to root on cheer however the uh the success of this experiment right uh whatever your feelings for um naive bukele are it's 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 an experiment that i think is is worth uh taking on and that's not I, we shouldn't take for granted the fact that he's willing to to make that stand right um but that being said i think we need to recognize a few things right and and i'm sure you'll get into this this is this is not the strongest crypto market that we've had in the past <laughs> in the past year or so right so no. so this is a dangerous time to be making a jump into making uh bitcoin your your uh, you, you know, your legal tender for your country. Now, of course, we we are both very long-term bullish, but no country 
uh, is going to necessarily prosper if that country's currency rises and falls by 30 to 80 to 50 to 90 percent um, on the whims of, of whales or exchange manipulation or, or things like that. So, um, so I was thinking about this and, you know, so I look up El Salvador and they are um, bottom of the world. Uh, you know, the bottom 10% of the world as far as gold holdings. I think they have about 1.7 metric tons of gold. Um, you know, and you can compare that to the the people at the top of the list, United States, China, Russia, um, just have thousands of tons of gold, right? So so they, they certainly can't just up and, uh, you know, and peg their currency to a, to a more traditional asset like gold or silver because they just, simply don't have that much of it um they do have some mines uh i don't uh you know it'd be nice to talk to somebody that they could talk about central american mining maybe a little bit better uh, but it does you know it certainly makes sense for them to look at cryptocurrencies right that that does make sense one thing i didn't know about el salvador that i thought was interesting is they are an absolute world leader in um in the realm of geothermal uh, electricity production, uh, you know, so may, there may be some interesting things they could do, like whether it was teaming up with uh, the EWT token, the Energy Web token, um, or Meter, possibly. Um, you know, fi finding a way to uh, monetize and stabilize uh, currency. You know, so so, so it was more. Their currency could be pegged more to um, Bitcoin and something else that could hopefully offer it a, a kind of a stabilizing effect, right? Um, you know, because I think I think meters should be uh, maintaining a, a relative amount of stability based on their uh, their white paper and their model that they're using. Um, yeah, but I think that's going to be their big challenge, right? It's, it's going to be that currency um, stability. Um, but the fact that we're, again, the fact that we're even having this conversation about a, a state actor looking at adopting Bitcoin is, you know, w we shouldn't, um, take for granted what an amazing time this is to be in this space. Uh, this would have been an absolute joke, say five years ago, if, if, if you told somebody that, uh, you know, this, you know, within five years countries are going to be talking about adopting this as legal tender. I've, I've, I've listened to those conversations. I've watched those people get laughed at and, and you know what, they're, they were right. There are countries talking about adopting it as legal tender. And that's, it's, it's a fantastic thing to see. Um, certainly in the United States, I thought, I, I didn't really know what to expect uh, out of the U S um, you know, over the past five, 10 years, the Obama administration, kind of more or less ignored it. Uh, the Trump administration, Trump was not a fan, but um, he wasn't necessarily dangerous. However, uh, Jay Clayton, who was Trump's um, Securities and Exchange Commissioner, uh, he was horrible for crypto, right? Um, only to be outdone by the current uh, um, holder of that position, Gary Gensler, who course is uh, appointed by Biden's administration. <clears throat> and Gary Gensler also, just as a side note, was 
uh, Hillary Clinton's chief financial officer of the uh, 2016 campaign, right? So he is he is a plugged in political animal, right? None, none of these the, the the people that occupy these positions like to pretend they're above politics. There is none of them are above politics. This is we are in hyper polarized world, and you know how does that how does that affect crypto, right? Like that's the question we always have to ask ourselves. So. If you look at what's happening in the U.S., starting last summer, we started seeing uh, certain states, smaller states, mind you, um, so states like Wyoming, they're uh, developing legislation on a state level that would allow for um, digital asset and cryptocurrency holding or trust companies, things of that nature. And so it was like it was definitely positive momentum, right? Um, that positive momentum uh, has really been jump started, and you know it, it's we should probably you know there's lots of people I'm sure that that are responsible in some ways. I, I know um, Dennis Porter, uh, he's he's one guy that uh, I believe he has his own podcast, Smart People Shit, um, and and he works almost full time in in advocating on a, on a legal standpoint. And there's cryptocurrency lobbying groups that have been formed. The exchanges are now getting more politically active. Uh, and, and that was kind of going to be a necessity, necessity right? You, um, We don't like to call it bribery, but if you don't have lobbyists uh, funneling money into politi- uh, politicians' campaign funds, those politicians are likely not to care about whatever your topic is, right? So um, we're seeing that uh, increase. And you are seeing a um, somewhat of a political divide that's rising with crypto. And it's, it's kind of interesting, and I would have never guessed it before, but you're starting to see you're starting to see members of the you know the conservative or Republican uh, side of the political spectrum yeah. are actually embracing uh, cryptocurrency more so than what you would consider the the progressive or liberal side the democratic party um now of course there are exceptions in either case right like the, a notable exception just uh, news just broke uh, a little while ago that texas was looking at accepting cryptocurrency probably be for for taxes and fees and things like that something that florida has already done um so, so there certainly are exceptions but i think the reason we're seeing this is the conservative Republican Party, um, you know, certainly when a party is in power compared to when they are in the minority are two very, very different things. And when you're in the minority, which the Republicans are, there's n- not an aspect of government the Republicans necessarily control right now. Um, it, there's a certain freedom there to do or say or advocate for uh for positions that you may not take once you're in power, right? Um, and so they, they do seem more willing to adopt, which uh, um, mainly, I think, because they really don't have anything to lose by, by standing up against the system. As a minority party, as an opposition party, that really kind of is their job, is to continually stand up against, against the establishment, because the establishment is who's in power. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting after 2024 if uh, to see if the Republicans that are, are generally seen as 
pro-crypto or crypto-friendly if they do come into power in 2024 and, and the, the Republicans take over the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate. Um, they won't be able to take over the, the presidency. That, that election is not for another um, until... Uh, or 2024 will be the presidency, I'm sorry, and then the House and the Senate uh, will be 2020, 2022. That'll be this November. So um, once uh, once this November's elections happen, if the Republicans are still pro-crypto, then that'll be certainly encouraging. Or it's, um, you know, it may be used as a bit of a political hot potato going back and forth. But, but on again, just the fact that it's being discussed, I think, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, other than that, we had, uh, there's been rumors of an executive order that's set to come out concerning crypto. Now, that executive order is, uh, for, for our non-American listeners, um, that's when the, the president sort of decrees something, in a sense. Um, and, and if that decree is within the powers that he's been delegated, uh, then it's not a problem. It's generally not, though, right? Like, executive orders are, are generally used as a president's way of creating laws without going through and having a law debated and then voted on and then signed. It's, it's, it's kind of a, a dirty way to end-run the legislative process, or at least that's what it's become. Um, and this is, uh, you know, th this was going to be, you know, just kind of as an inside uh, politics type thing to watch will be interesting because even within, you know, this is not, you know, not everyone's interests align, right? So you do have the Department of the Treasury, you've got the Securities and Exchange Commission, you've got the um, Commodities Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC. You've got all these different sub-agencies that sort of all want to have the deciding factor on who regulates this this economic powerhouse that is crypto, right? Um, and, and not everyone understands it. Um, and the fact that the White House, who seems to have little understanding of anything, seems to be the one leading this charge now, uh, I, I think I think there's going to be a lot of turf battles. So my guess is not a whole lot is going to happen until November. I, I don't see the current party in power being able to coalesce around a consistent message. Um, even the Federal Reserve uh, seems to want to have a say in where the the kind of crypto markets go. Um, in so much that they're pushing for the CBDCs, right? This is something we've talked about before. Um, CBDCs, central bank digital currencies for, for the uninitiated. Uh, the Federal Reserve, all the central banks worldwide are all looking into this. Um, they've either adopted this or they are on their way to adopt this. And, and what this is, it is still fiat currency, still unbacked, um, but with more power, right? So... Imagine money that can be programmed to not be spent at a certain store. Or if your social credit score is too low, you, you know, the central bank can then lock your wallet. Or if they see that, uh, I don't know, um, say Amazon sales are down, they can say, hey, this money is good for 1.1. You know, you get a 10%... Um, a 10% bonus when you use uh, or when you buy something from Amazon. 
You know, so so it gives the powers that be a whole lot more power than they already have. Uh, so certainly the Fed has their, their toes in this as well. Um, the, Biden just nominated a, uh, a person, Leo Brainerd, um, for the position of um, uh, Federal Reserve Governor. And she, you know, during her confirmation hearings, um, you know, she, was, she spoke up about the, the risk of crypto, specifically the risk of stablecoins. And that's what the White House report was focused on as well. So she's she's very much uh, of a like mind with the White House that just nominated her, right? That this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Um, and so stablecoin issuance is, I think we're going to be covering that a lot more. Um, there is, of course, a lot of FUD in in that space, right? Tether has has never been um, has has never really done a good job of getting rid of the uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt or FUD, um, and, and by largely by Tether's own actions. Um, and if there's an option to use a Fed coin or a CBDC. Um, to to use to to transact crypto, I do think more people are going to naturally gravitate towards that, right? Like if there's something yeah. that they believe, that's all money really is, right? It is faith, and and people will believe that uh, the Fed coin has more backing or more reliability to be cashed out than necessarily a tether or or circle or something of that nature. So, um. You know, it's it's I've long I've long held the opinion that you know we we likely will be facing some sort of economic calamity catastrophe, whatever you want to call it, uh, yeah. in this next year. Um, when you look at the equity markets, you look at the bond markets. Uh, there's you know mortgage rates, uh, the the rates at which not not just the the interest rates of mortgages, but just the amount of mortgages that uh, first-time homebuyers, right, we're, we're creating mm -hmm. sort of this this whole generation of, of renters that are going to have a very hard time being able to purchase a home. And, and a lot, you know, so there's a lot of ingredients here to, to an economic problem. Um, and I do think that when that happens, you know, the, the, the first thing everyone wants to do is assign blame. You know, we saw this in 2008, 2009. Blame was immediately assigned at, you know, the predatory mortgage lenders. Well, there was a lot of blame to go around. And, and it's disingenuous to just try to assign it to one thing. But, you know, in this kind of politicized world that we're in, blame is, you know, a premium is placed on blame. Let's put it that way. Um, and I, I do think that crypto will get the blame of the next crisis. Now, that's probably not fair. However, I think within crypto, I think it's going to be stablecoin specifically yeah. um, because of the fact that, you know, you could blame Bitcoin all you want. Right. But who in, you know, there's nobody in charge of Bitcoin. Right. So it doesn't necessarily make for a very um, practical or attractive political target. Now, you blame stablecoins. You have very specific individuals that you can blame um, 
you know, and, and that becomes a more politically attractive option. It's a very like it, being ahead of one of the stablecoin issuers. I would consider that probably one of the more dangerous jobs there is, um, just because I think politicians are chopping at the bit to to lay any problems right at their feet. So, so just again, something to keep in mind. I'm not trying to uh, spread doom and gloom here, but. Uh, <laughs> But the, these are these are all things that we want to always keep, uh, you know, in the back of our head. Um, and finally, my last big story: OpenSea. No. <laughs> Kazi, do you still have all your apes? Um, you your bored apes and your your mutant apes. Are they all still in your wallet? They're gone. Oh, they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're gone. All the kitties and the dogs and, and it, yeah, yeah. So, so last night, right, you know, you start, I'm on Twitter and I'm, I'm seeing people, you know, you always see all sorts of garbage on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. And, and start seeing people talking about a hack. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And so I just go to OpenSea's page and at approximately 8.30 Eastern time here on the, in, in the United States, uh, OpenSea <laughs> puts out a tweet <laughs> where they acknowledge they were investigating the rumors of a hack that stole an estimated $200 million worth of NFTs. Now, we can do an entire show on the worth and value and practicality of NFTs, but we won't get into that here. The simple fact is, there were people that thought they had X amount of dollars worth of something. Right, and then they didn't. Right, and and you've seen the prices on these things, right? I mean, when when you got something selling for a hundred and fifty ETH, that's not a trivial amount of money. Now, this is we're talking real dollars at this point. Um, and then to just look and see, oh, I apparently just gave that away. Yeah, I mean, my heart goes out to all the people that were affected by this hack. Yeah. Um. And and it sucks, man. Like I, you know, I I've certainly been the victim of of scams in this space going back to when hell Bitcoin was eight hundred dollars a coin. You know, um, it's there's no shortage of it in this space, guys. You know, we 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 kind of all know that going in, but and this is a big but. <laughs> OpenSea was supposed to be a safe place for these NFT collectors. And, and by providing that safe space, you know, if, if you don't have that space, safe space, you don't necessarily have those prices run up to uh, uh, the, the astronomical heights they were at, right? Um, but anyway, so OpenSea acknowledged that there were rumors of a hack, which in and of itself was a P a move of PR idiocy, right? This this is the crypto market. You don't get to yeah, you're not gonna spin anyone in this market. I mean, I'm sure there's a few people that are gonna believe whatever OpenSea puts out. Generally speaking, most of the people in this market, especially the people with vast amount of monies in this market, are sort of contrarian when it comes to, you know, accepting the official line, right? If we accepted the official line, we'd all be fiat advocates, which we are not. Um, you know, so so I think they kind of stepped on themselves right out of the gate. Um, and then you start looking more and more into it, and it looks 
you start seeing OpenSea and the people associated with OpenSea advocating um, this narrative, right? This narrative that it was a phishing attack, right? And, uh, phishing with a PH, right? So, so basically a targeted uh, email-driven hack, you know, where they got people to log in, uh, click a malicious link of some sort that executed a half of a signatory on a contract, and then these guys just had to wait, and then they provided the other signature, and then that created these um, transactions. Um, but there's all I've the thing is I've seen that I've seen a lot of that message coming very early from the open sea side, right? And anytime there's a big problem. And you have somebody stand up and say they absolutely 100% know exactly how it happened in a very short amount of time. Like my, I mean, my spidey senses automatically go up, right? Like, like, no, hold on. We are still very much in the let's investigate what the hell happened phase. Not the, we have the answer. And guess what, NFT users? It's your fault for clicking that link. And that's how it kind of came across to a lot of people. Um, and I did see a lot of pushback on Twitter from, uh, let's say, some very technically savvy uh, coders out there that that were highlighting the very specific line of code uh, that they were exploiting in uh, in, in OpenSea's code, I, I guess. Um, now, the truth will come out, right? Like like we have this old saying: the 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 truth does not get better with age right so at some point the, the the truth will come out and the longer it takes for it to come out the worse it is going to look for open sea um they would be well served to come out with as much uh transparency um as they can right now yeah. uh as it stands this is not a good look for them at all i i i'm sure there'll be some version of open sea that survives out of this but i cannot imagine being a, a an nft a hodler hoarder collector whatever you want to say i i would not be active in the nft market with open sea right okay. i would i would look at rarible which, if Rarible is smart, um, or and there's other ones too, and and forgive me for for not calling out all the the OpenSea's competitors, but um, you know if I was an OpenSea competitor, I would absolutely be highlighting our security. I would be hosting AMAs every other day, explaining how this couldn't happen on our uh, exchange, and uh, and you know if I was <laughs> if I was leading one of those communities like the uh, crypto punks or any of the groups of apes or I, I would absolutely look and see what it would take to migrate to a different platform because uh, <clears throat> I think just the way that they've handled this from a PR standpoint as well as, as obviously a technical standpoint has has you know been extremely lacking and it'll be interesting to see what happens in this upcoming week. But uh, but that's the um, yeah, that's your main big stories, right? Russia, Ukraine, um, 
how that is going to affect the uh, the markets. Uh, Canada, its continued push for lockdowns. Uh, the little country that could, El Salvador. Um, you know what? What is the developing role of crypto regulations start looking like uh, here in the U.S.? Because likely, what it looks like in the U.S. is, is will likely be exported as as so often as the case. Um, even though the U.S. is certainly very far behind when it comes to uh, any kind of official stances on things. Um, and NFTs, man, I really think this is just the start of uh, unwinding what the hell happened over there at OpenSea. Um, mm -hmm. And I can, I mean, Kazi, could, could you imagine, dude, like you think you've got a $20 million <laughs> piece of art and then... It's just you know, crazy. Oh, yeah. oh. And I, I would, I, I, would, I would be gutted as, as I've heard my English friends say at times. So, <laughs> so that is our, that is our, um, that is our news for the week. And, um, you know, so we'll, we'll keep tracking all those, keep looking at the, uh, the ones that are uh, continue to affect us. And, um, and now I'll hand it over to you. What are some of the, uh, the how are the markets looking for this upcoming week? And, and what are some of the things you saw in the past week? And, and of course, what are uh, some of the, the things you're going to be looking for, um, especially out of the lower cap stuff? Yeah. So uh, just before I go on talking about um, the market, uh, you were talking about OpenSea. And you, you don't think that a lot of people will be using like NFTs to do with that. Um, well, I think uh, I think uh, that could be one of the catalysts for the market dropping on the equity side as well, because um, oh, like yeah, yeah uh, that's that's some that's something like not a lot of people think that could happen, and usually like um, the opposite always happens. So I think um, a lot of like maybe like uh, these companies in the equities market, um, they could see some more blood, even though like the markets have been going down quite a lot um, these past weeks. Um, but yeah, uh, looking back at this previous week, we can see that Bitcoin did not um, play out the inverse head and shoulders that many did expect. Um, a lot of people, uh, once Bitcoin uh, went back to around 30, no, 45k, sorry, um, thought that Bitcoin had a chance of like trying to go back up to uh, $50,000. Um, but we didn't get that. Instead, it dumped. Um and uh, one note to uh, to all the listeners, um, a lot of retail investors are very familiar with uh, the inverse head and shoulders and the head and shoulders uh, pattern. Um, so whales uh, do use this to manipulate the market um, uh, and mindset of these uh, investors. On a higher time frame, it is very unlikely that um, the inverse head and shoulders would not work. Um, that's just how it works, um, these patterns. Uh, most of the patterns uh, that you do see uh, people using um, usually work on a lower time frame, um, and they're effective on a lower time frame. Uh, I think currently Bitcoin will be uh, visiting the thirty-six uh, or thirty-seven thousand uh, dollars support, and if it does not hold that, um, we will be seeing around thirty-three thousand um, dollars. This is this is uh, solely because uh, um, uh, this is uh, solely because we want to see Bitcoin trying to form a double bottom, uh, or we could like go uh, and completely nuke to 24k and like i was thinking about something uh, while i was scanning the markets and stuff like that and a current issue that i can see is that there's a lot of reversals um that happen only when there's a, a capitulation dump 
And so far, we haven't seen that coming from Bitcoin. Like uh, by that, I mean like a very, very sharp drop. And so far, it's just been a slow bleed all the way down from like the all time high. We had one sharp drop and that had somewhat of a bounce, but we didn't see like um, any strong reversal. Yeah, and that's been like, I think it was last May, we had just, just, I, mean, I, was, watch, I, was, I was actively in a trade and I was watching it and I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> we're just closing this wedge pattern beautifully. This is, you know, I, I tell you, Kazi, uh, I felt so smart. I was like, look, yep. it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit right here and then it's going to go up and it's like <laughs> doing that. And then it didn't. Yeah. And it just dove. And dope, and, <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there trying to market sell all, you know. And, uh, I, I definitely took a bath that night, a real big bath, um, and and had a a very very good education in keeping stop losses nice and tight, even when you, especially when you feel like you've got everything figured out. That's that's when is probably the best time to to tighten up those stop losses again. Yeah. Especially, especially if you're using like leverage and um, trying to do some futures trading, always have oh, yeah. a stop loss. Like you don't want to be risking like uh, all of your money. Uh, I I usually recommend like ten percent stop stop loss maximum, because like it, futures trading is quite risky for a lot of people that don't know how to do it properly. Even like experienced traders will always like lose money in their trades as well. So, uh, as Daniel said, always use a stop loss. Um, uh, yeah, as I was talking about, um, we didn't see the capitulation dump. So, uh, what 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 do you think can happen here? Uh, well, I think that we could even see Bitcoin like just do completely what no one thinks it can break the whole macro structure and like go down to about twenty four to twenty six thousand um, dollars. Is it very possible? Well, we can't tell right now. As I said, we need to see what happens uh, when Bitcoin goes to around the thirty-six uh, to thirty-seven thousand dollar mark, and after that, um, then we'll see uh, what happens if Bitcoin wants to start bouncing, wants to start making um, some better moves. Then yeah, but right now, I think we could. I think we do visit the lows of the thirty thousand um, dollars. Yeah, but um, we're talking. Yeah, uh, it, it, that is a, a good um, point to bring up that, you know, when you have the price structure that's building and showing you something yep. and you have the fundamental and in this case, world events um, that are sort of lining up at the same time, that's when I think it's important to be extra cautious, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's, those of us that are looking at the charts, we see now uh, we see X, Y, and Z is setting up, um, but then something sparks, and and in the crypto space, right, that spark could be an Elon Musk tweet, right, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden a ten a ten percentage loss is blamed on uh, you know Elon Musk. Well, we could see it kind of forming before that, and and the news or, or some external event just acts as a little nudge to. Yeah. To finish kind of what is what was already started in the charts, um, and and I think the users need to be aware of that. That you know, if we do see war breakout, if we do see you know hyperinflation really start to kick in, all of these things tend to steal the headline mm -hmm. um, from 
the price action that was developing before any of those headlines were, were, were ever written, right? And, and I've always found that fascinating. But yeah, uh, that's why I, I really believe it's important to you know, really, you know, don't try to pick technical over fundamental or fundamentals over technical. There's they both absolutely have their place, and I, and I think a I think the more you can integrate these two into a, a sound worldview and investing view, I, I think it'll I think it'll certainly benefit you in the long run. Yeah, like um, uh, like like I said, if we do drop down to like uh, twenty four thousand, then there's probably going to be something in the news um, that's talking about uh, like I don't know, it's maybe like something to do with the war, like you talked about earlier, Daniel. Um, or like it like these the news and the crypto market they tie up together and like um it like i'd say the news acts like um some form of catalyst good or bad um to move the market in either direction uh but yeah if we look at um like the last week of uh the large caps so i'm talking about like ethereum and you know your xrp and stuff like that uh, we've seen a lot of uh, these large caps uh, bleed out in the past week. Um, there was no real bounce from them on support levels. Um, we've been shorting the, uh, these large caps in the academy, by the way, uh, making some good profits. Uh, no real catalyst for these to bounce here. Uh, a lot of the high caps are forming uh, very bearish signs um, as they are not re reacting well to the support levels, as I just said. Um, I don't think um, we can see like any strong bounces uh, unless like Bitcoin uh, decides to change its direction because a lot of these uh, large caps, even mid, mid caps, um, they're quite connected um, and correlated to Bitcoin right now. So if Bitcoin decides to dump, these um, these coins will uh, dump as well. Uh, like um, there's no real interest from the whales that want to buy at these levels. Um, we're currently seeing just um, like a slow bleed, as I said earlier. I don't see any reversal for both large and mid caps until we see a huge capitulation dip, which I talked about earlier as well. Um, I'd like to talk about quant. Uh, I see a lot of people saying uh, it has a lot of strength, but currently I can see it visiting uh, the support area from $90. Um, but if we do have that huge capitulation dump, I expect it to visit uh, $40 to $50 as alts do dump a lot when Bitcoin dumps. So uh, I'll give you an example. If Bitcoin was to dump, say, 10 or 15% from its current price, we'll see like a lot of these um, large and mid-cap coins falling about 30, 30%. We've seen it before happen. Like in the past, we've seen it. We, uh, like, all, like no coin is uh, immune to like a Bitcoin's dip. Okay, maybe you might have a few anomalies here and there, but... Yeah, majority... by large, I mean, if, if uh, you know... The very few times that you'd see, say, Quant, especially like you and I are both huge fans of the project. I, I you yeah. know, just because we're saying it's going to it could possibly revisit lows, that doesn't mean that we are down on Quant. I still absolutely think it's one of the most important coins yeah. in this space. But, you know, we have seen it pump um, outside of Bitcoin pumps in, you know, this past year. Mm -hmm. and And so, you know. I think especially a lot of the younger, the newer investors, they look at that and they're like, oh, it's decoupled. Well, Bitcoin has just taught us over the past, what, say, four months of a slow bleed, five months. No, it is still very much tied to Bitcoin's, uh, you know, tied to Bitcoin's fortunes. And, you know, there will be a day where decoupling happens. I, I, I think that's true of uh, a lot of these assets. 
but yeah. we're we're not there yet, right? I mean, it's it's Bitcoin is still daddy and is still leading, <laughs> you know, still leading the market by and large. Yeah, um, yeah, I think. Well, obviously, there's always going to be decoupling. Otherwise, uh, like mid and uh, larger cap coins won't be able to actually grow. Uh, without bitcoin like if bitcoin's like staying still then it's quite it's quite good for larger mid caps to try and pump a little bit more but yeah i'm gonna i'm just gonna talk about the small cap gems um in the past two weeks uh i've i've been looking at two gems which i've actually given to my academy as well uh the first one being uh, uh symbiosis finance which was um actually a tip given to me by the old gold daniel um i really like the project uh, they're a multi-chain uh, decentralized exchange as well as a liquidity protocol um they're working with huge partners a few of them being polygon algorand and avax um the initial call of this coin was given to the academy around uh, $1.60 and from there it went to uh, it went on a nice run uh, to around $3.16, which is currently the local top, uh, giving the members a lovely 2x. Um, this was also quite impressive, like the strength of uh, Symbiosis Finance, uh, because Bitcoin was dumping the entire time from like 45k to around 40k. So um, when I see when I see a coin gaining interest and uh, having strength against uh, Bitcoin, especially during dumps it shows me that a lot of these investors actually know what they've invested in and um they don't lose like faith uh even during a dump so that's uh, that's something you always want to be looking out for uh, especially uh, when you're trying to invest into a coin um and the second gem uh, is actually a gem that no one has ever spoken about well until i spoke about it uh, it's called uh onino um now this gem is something special in my opinion, uh, they provide interoperability for metadata registry. Uh, it is a very good solution for uh, Web 3.0 and identity. Um, this because I think I think they're very um, well positioned for the legal side of crypto being put in place, like reg regulations, which is going to happen in the near future. Like um, Daniel, when you were talking about the news, you were talking about uh, like how the countries want to bring in the CBDCs and how they want to control wallets and stuff like that. So these guys will allow um, uh, all of the different blockchains to interconnect to each other in one single wallet, uh, which will connect um, the real world assets to the blockchain. And you'll be able to have everything stored in that one uh, wallet with your own name um, assigned to you. So I think that's something really, really good. Um a lot of these members uh, bought uh, in the academy uh, bought and staked this coin. Uh, we bought in around, I think, 22 cents. And the current price is sitting around 35 cents the last time I checked. So um, we've been seeing some pretty good gains. And there's been no dump so far, even while um, Bitcoin is, I think, it's currently dumping. Yeah, no, your small caps have absolutely been killing it in the academy. I mean, it's as the market is bleeding, that is... That is uh, that is certainly a, 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 a Patreon or Discord server that is, is definitely in the green at this point um, yeah. and, and has been for a while. It's, it's, you've done a, a phenomenal job, um, especially identifying those, Thank those you. smaller cap coins where you can, you know, you can, uh, I don't want to say realistically expect a 10x, but, hmm. you know, you're, you're not going to see a, a two-week 10x in, in your yeah. large caps or even your mid caps. Um, now we may, you know, once we hit the magical alt season, right? Like uh, it's, <clears throat> but, uh, let's take a, a very popular mid cap, right? Link, the link Marines. Yeah. It, 
those poor guys have just been bleeding like crazy. And for them to have a 10x and get up to that, you know, 145, 150 uh, a coin uh, price range, it's it's it, it would it would take an act of God. Um, you know, so you know, if you want, if you're looking for those really, really sharp returns, yeah, it's it's those small caps, those micro caps, whatever you want to call them. Um, you can get massive returns, but yep. Um, and and we talk we do talk about this in the academy. There is uh, certainly a, a strong amount of due diligence that has to occur. Yeah. Um, because you know, link is not going to rug pull, but you will see micro caps rug pull, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we 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 saw the uh, the great node bloodletting of the past uh, the past couple months, where there 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 are a few that have certainly stood strong, but there's you know there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of casualties in the node world there for uh, quite some time. You had yeah. Ring Financial. You had um, what were some of the other ones that had a hard time? Um, I think we saw Power Nodes, but um, yeah. they recovered. They recovered, so that was quite good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So the nodes are that, that, and we'll keep an eye on that, right? Like the node, uh, the node market, um, whatever you want to call it. It's it's. Right now, it's it's more or less just dominated by one or two. Um, I know there are, there are new projects that are coming up all the time. Yeah. There is an inherent, I think, danger to some of those that, uh, you know, the treasury ends up acting as a centralization point, right? Um, and the management of that treasury, if that, if that treasury is not managed correctly, uh, can, can certainly cause... Uh, cascading failures, and if mm -hmm. you've got somebody investing in, uh, almost doing like a cross pollination investing of, we're going to use our treasury to uh, buy into your project, you use your treasury to buy into our project. Well, at, you know, at some point, that's almost like you know we call it kiting checks, or um, you know, you're 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 paying for something even though you don't really you know the, the backing for that isn't there so um i think as we start seeing the maturity of uh those treasuries um from a, from an investing standpoint as we start seeing those treasuries actually uh kind of sitting on th you know sitting on more of a mix of balanced assets um mm -hmm. other than just other nodes uh then i think you'll you'll start seeing uh Kind of longer lasting projects but yeah um no but but i you know i i think those uh especially anino and uh sis have certainly performed very well and uh it'll be interesting to see what uh what next week's come to yeah definitely um yeah uh so looking looking uh ahead for next week um i think um we could see some relief bounces for the bulls but it won't be anything promising unless there's some huge catalyst like you know the news um if bitcoin can manage to bounce from the 36 or 37 thousand dollar area it would be very promising for the market to have a small rally to make some more profits uh, i think going into a higher time frame we can see bitcoin definitely visit the lows i think it's very necessary because when like we're not seeing any um like aggressive buys in these levels so we're gonna have to see lower to see like the whales want to buy uh sa same for mid caps as well majority are following bitcoin so it will definitely be all dependent on how bitcoin reacts i know for a fact that if bitcoin does end up dumping 
around 10 to 15 percent we see these mid-cap alt uh, coins dumping around 30 to 50 percent uh, some gems that i'm looking into for the next week uh, for a good bounce uh, is definitely ribbon finance and also yacht finance uh, both of these coins are quite strong in terms of their use case and I've seen Ribbon to be uh, one of the top gainers every time Bitcoin bounces. I know that they have um, a lot of huge investments from a lot of companies. I'm pretty sure uh, Coinbase Ventures are invested into them as well. And uh, they, the use case of this coin is quite good as well. Um, quite similar to, I think, Anchor Protocol as well. So yeah, that's one coin that I'm definitely going to be uh, trying to make some good profits from. Uh, going into next week if we do see bitcoin have a temporary bounce yeah yeah no the ribbon ribbon is uh performed uh better than expected um and they are i think they're available on coinbase um or at least coinbase pro i'm not sure if yop is i'll have to look into that yeah um where are you getting yop at uh yop is at um qcoin oh it's on qcoin okay yep. great yeah so it, well when in doubt, it's probably on KuCoin. Is kind of the my 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 general uh, my general thesis. So, all right, I think that about wraps us up for today. Um, thank you all for joining us on the Young Buck and the Old Goat podcast again. Please subscribe and give us that five star rating that we cherish so much. Uh, the more the more those five star ratings we get, the more the easier it is for people to find us, and uh, hopefully we can help uh, make people aware of what to expect in this very tumultuous market. Um, and Kazi, where can people find you uh, and follow more of your trades throughout the week? Uh, thank you, Danny. Yes, um, you can follow me throughout the week at patreon.com forward slash CryptoKazi, and I'm on Twitter at TheCryptoKazi. So if that's where you want to find me, that's that's where I'm available. Awesome. And I'm on Twitter at Old Goat Crypto. Uh, thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next week on the Young Buck and Old Goat podcast. Bye, everyone.